Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry. As you guys know, this is our pop culture roundup episode of the week. It's a special one, you guys. I'm joined by queen of my heart on TikTok anyway, a crisis management expert, host of the Indestructible PR podcast, and author of Indestructible, Reclaim Control and Respond with Confidence in a Media Crisis, Molly McPherson. Hello. Hello. I'm just as excited to speak with you. (laughs) people have really been like banging down my doors and from what I hear they've been doing the same for you so I'm excited I hope you guys are excited to uh to hear this conversation because I certainly am (laughs) oh yes I know it is so funny like all of a sudden everybody told me I needed to speak with you so it was so nice (laughs) to finally connect I love that. Yeah. People were like, okay, I reached out to her. So just so you know, I did it. And so you can talk to her now. I'm like, okay, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> uh, so yeah, um, we have really like a lot to talk about some things happening in this week in pop culture. I want to start off with um, uh, Full House um, star, and I'm using air quotes on that, Candace Cameron Bure. Uh, she had a kerfuffle to put it uh the least with uh she's she's got a just part of a a new network called the great american family network it's supposed to be a competitor to like the hallmark channel like we know what candace does she's like the queen of christmas yada 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 so she um and uh her co-worker not co-worker but partner in this great american family network uh did an interview where they're talking about christmas movies they did this interview with the wall street journal and uh, they were asked about featuring same-sex couples in these Christmas movies, to which uh, Candace replied, I think that the great American family will keep traditional marriage at the core. So there was a lot of backlash 
as you can imagine. Um, I actually thought it was interesting that there was a lot of backlash from celebrities, which I feel like doesn't happen too often. It's, there's not a whole lot of like celebrity on celebrity crime, as I would put it. Um, <laughs> Is that something that you would shy, you would tell like your client to shy away from if this wasn't really their business or how would you navigate that if they felt passionately about the subject? Well, it's such a, it's such a bigger universe than Candace. Um, I mean, right. certainly it, Candace is not speaking um, only for herself, which we all believe that is how she feels, but she's, she's also speaking on behalf of this new network and great right. American family is trying to get its foothold into the broadcast realm. You know, they're, they're competing directly with Hallmark. And so there's a value system that that's espoused from the cable network that Candace is responsible for communicating. So that is a message that she has to stay on because the entire cable network is rooted in that belief system, which mm -hmm. is, which is an al aligned with a very conservative, almost evangelical mindset right. that a traditional family is the right family. So I would never expect her to move off of those uh, talking points at all. And I did a very you know, quick uh, uh, TikTok post on her. I was sick all last week, so I needed to do one without my voice because I didn't have one, um, right. but certainly Candace did. And so what was interesting, which I had pointed out is she uses the same messaging that people who want to double down on their views, knowing it will cause backlash, um, is that she has to blame the yes. culture the yes. toxic culture, which is a euphemism for the cancel culture. It is such a knee-jerk reflexive excuse for anyone who is in that conservative area or at milieu, which is what she is. So I don't expect anything different from her. Right. Yeah. So let's get into this statement because you were you just hit on so many points that I was thinking about. So she starts off by saying um, she issues this statement to, to directly to people after all this backlash and says, all of you who know me know beyond a question that I have a great love and affection for all people. And this is what pisses me off. This is pisses me off. Number one, the like assumption that like you guys know me, you know, my heart, like it's just very presumptive to me, very smug. Mm -hmm. And I don't like that. Mm -hmm. Um and then she says, you know, it absolutely breaks my heart that anyone would think that I would intentionally want to offend or hurt anyone. Um, and it saddens me that the media is often seeking to divide us, even around a subject as comforting and as merry as Christmas movies. But given the toxic climate of our in our culture right now, I shouldn't be surprised. We need Christmas more than ever. <laughs> yes. And Christmas, of course, um, is a very Christian holiday. So again, yeah. it's, this is the language and the talking point that you are <laughs> going to hear from any Christian group. And, and it is a hypocrisy that, that also like you, I share how infuriating it is. And this is just personal. I mean, I grew up Catholic. I grew up Christian yeah. Yeah. yet. I, what bothers me beyond 
beyond, I'll leave it at that, is are these Christians, these extreme evangelical Christians that talk about Jesus and love and acceptance, yet they will divide this way. So it's a hypocrisy that they that they cannot um, successfully communicate other than to talk about the toxic culture. So we've seen this blueprint um, from many, many people. Um, I I had talked about it in one of my TikTok posts about um, a woman who was a CEO of this company, Postcard Mania, during Hurricane Ian. She wanted her uh, staff to work um, and she had that and there was a huge blow up. And of course, she did the same, you know, playbook, which is, oh, it's because of the toxic culture out there. So that's why she's never going to come off this messaging and anyone affiliated with extreme Christianity is going to stay there. Yeah, it's one of those situations where I think you're right. It's like, what are like for people on our side, like there's (laughs) nothing that Candace is going to say that's going to move me probably more than Mm -hmm. likely, unless she has like an extreme change of hearts, which doesn't seem likely at this point. But um, yeah, I wonder why, how did we get this? Because it seems like over the past few years has been these people who are, you know, from the past presidential administration, these actors that say that I've been uh, cast aside by Hollywood. I can't get work because these liberal elites and, you know, we need Christmas and Christians and, you know, like, why am I being persecuted? Why does that work? Does that work for their audience? Well, you know, it is, I, I will say this, there is truth to it. Okay. She's not wrong in that uh, being a Republican or branding yourself as a Republican and speaking out in support of former President Trump did carry a cost with it. There's no doubt about it. And But where it gets um, murky and where I believe people like Candace and other people who use it, they almost weaponize it, that they are using, it's a trope, that they're stating we're being attacked because we're Republicans. And that's not the reason it's, it's not about liberal or conservative. It's about uh, candidates, a president who espoused hate, (laughs) who encouraged the alt-right. And that is the problem that people have. So it's like these splitting hairs. So she's not wrong, but she's discussing a different argument. And that's again, part of the playbook. It's very manipulative tactic is you think you're arguing and in one arena, if you will, but they actually move aside to a different arena and you're talking about two entirely different things. So she won't change her messaging and many of them don't and they just double down on it. And, and this is her brand because she does have the support of the evangelical Christians. Right. And like sometimes a thing's a thing and sometimes maybe you're just not getting work because you're Riggy Schroeder, you know? Oh, yeah, um, (laughs) absolutely. And that's why we have these networks. So, you know, Great American Family, which used to be Great American Country. Um, Mm. So this, you get into broadcasting and you know television. I mean, you understand how it works. It's a cable network. It needs to get its footing. It needs to, you know, needs to be picked up by all the cable providers. Um, They're trying, it's really trying to get a footing in this market and compete against Hallmark. And the only way that they can do that is if they draw a certain audience and that is Candace's audience. Right. 
But I noticed that, and I wish I had uh, written this down, that her, the other person, the head of the network was kind of, he kind of towed the line a little bit more. He, I, I could tell that like, he was like, okay, our bread needs to be buttered at the end of the day. So maybe we need to like, you know, be a little bit more vague about our messaging here. But um, yeah, I, I thought that was very interesting. Um, do you think that at the end of the day, Candace Cameron Bure types get it or are they just like in their hole in the foxhole they are in they're in the foxhole if we're going to use that term but you know it's almost yeah we'll use that we'll use that metaphor it's like a battle to them Mm -hmm. it is the fight for Christianity it's the fight for their traditional way of thinking they do feel that they're under attack and that's why terms like, you know, woke and liberals, it's a war to them. It's a battle to them. And it's a battle for Christianity and how they feel about it. So, and also it, it, it does, there is a market there. Let's not forget this at the end of the day, there is a market. So this now you're talking about, I don't know if you're mentioning an article with the CEO of, Mm -hmm. of great American family. If he's the one that was, that was getting a little um, middle of the road on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because there, his job, if we're talking about the same person is like, he needs to get, um, he needs to get on all these networks. He needs to get all of these networks on cable systems. <laughs> right, so right. that's why he probably has to soften language too, depending on who he's talking to. But we right. all know, we both know at the end of the day, really what, who they're drawing, who they're right. trying to draw into that programming. Right. Oh gosh. Um, so what I also find interesting is the like attack on the media. And this one excerpt is really jumping out to me. She says to the members of media responsible for using this opportunity to fan flames of conflict and hate. I have a simple message. I love you anyway. To those who hate what I value and are attacking me online. I love you. To those who have tried to assassinate my character. I love you. And then she talks about how like everybody's welcome to come to this stupid network. Um, <laughs> I just uh, what what is that like the 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 does she, do you think she has a PR person or do you think she wrote this herself I, maybe that's my ultimate question oh yeah you know that is a question I get asked all the time you know does this person have a PR person or what is their PR person telling them um I think it's a it, it's you oh you can't assume that there's always PR people in the mix. Like you, you just can't assume that. Right. I would assume for her though, with this rollout of the network, that there definitely is. Like I'm sure she has a handler because again, mm-hmm. it's not just her doing press. She's doing press on behalf of Great American Family and the network. Right. Um. So certainly there's people involved. This type of messaging though is um is is nimble right? Mm -hmm. Because when she talks about love, when she talks about Christmas, you know, again, that's evoking very religious Christian ideology language. We love everyone, but we all know they don't because if you're gay, we don't love you. (laughs) So the hypocrisy is just maddening beyond, but this type of language does work because there is a bias in the media without a doubt. And there is a bias in social media where there will be more scrutiny to someone who is speaking this type of language. So they're not wrong in the sense that the press is going to report on it, but they are wrong when they think it's the press's or the media's fault 
for all of this happening. And it's splitting hairs, but she's wrong. I think it's actually really hilarious now that you just mentioned that, that you would release a statement to people and then talk about how the media is messing up your messaging. It's very interesting. Well, not to Um, mention they are media. I mean, cable (laughs) is a medium. So they're talking about their own industry, but you know, again, followers are, are ardent followers, you know, Mm -hmm. they're not going to get into the details They're especially when you get deep into this right conservative kind of almost alt-right way of thinking, right. People don't, uh, critically think they just follow and lightly think, and that's why it works. Thank you. Thank you so much. You took the words right out of my mouth. (laughs) Let's move on to our next subject. Something that I'm really excited about. Lindsay Lohan, you guys, I think the, what I call the Lohanaissance is in full swing. Um, I, you know, as somebody who's Lindsay's age and has been watching her on this journey, I did not think we'd get here. I really didn't. Speaking of Christmas movies, this is one I'd actually watch. Um, So she has a movie on Netflix called uh, Falling for Christmas, and she seems to be doing really well. This this, uh, rollout has been incredible. She's being designed by, or not designed, styled by Law Roach, who is Zendaya's stylist. She's been doing Mm -hmm. seemingly everything right. So I, like, you know, over the years, I have been thinking, what would I do with Lindsay? Like, if I could just get her in the right place, what would I do with her? And now I feel like we're in this place. So if you were Lindsay's PR person, what would be the moves you would tell her to make moving forward? I think the moves that her handlers are telling her to do. I love the reemergence of Lindsay, Lindsay Lohan and how it's happening. Look at what we just talked about you know, programming Christmas holiday with Candace. We're using that same type of um, messaging and same type of holiday um, movie to get people excited about Lindsay. Lindsay, now I am coming at it if people don't know or can even tell by my voice. I mean, I'm a Gen Xer, okay? I did not grow Mm -hmm. up with Lindsay Lohan, but when Parent Trap came out, you know, my kids were young and I watched it, um, you know, just like they did. And I loved Mean Girls. So I'm coming at it from an older version. Um, But what I do know about my work I I'm so steeped in this idea of, you know, who gets canceled, you know, that whole cancel culture and how people can come their way, you know, come back. What I do know is people do like to bring people down and they, Mm -hmm. they all follow those. If it bleeds, it leads headlines, but they also love a comeback. And I think Lindsay is following along that kind of that Britney Spears, like, oh my gosh, we have all have to bring this girl back up and bring her back into the fold. I think it's wonderful. And I, the reason why I do think she's working with skilled people is because she's coming in a form, again, holiday movies, that kind of Hallmark chant, like people are going to flock to it. You're going to watch it. I'm going to watch it. Even if it's a horrible movie, which I heard the reviews are a little middling. I'm still going to watch it anyway. Right. Um, Right. But also, you know, it's, you know, it's, I don't even know if it's based on Overboard or if it's just inspired by the movie Overboard with Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn, Mm -hmm. but it's a, it's a script uh, screenplay that's already been written. So we know that the formula works. Um, but because she just kind of dropped back in out of nowhere, um, I, I like how they're rolling her out. And it and it does evoke that kind of mean girls Christmas holiday production in the movie. So I think she's doing everything right. Yeah. This is I wonder like what is 
different this time. Um, in that article I sent you, um, it said that she had not done any sort of movie PR for almost 10 years now. It was back in 2013 with the Canyons and she really hasn't like done too much since then. Um, I, I'm just so happy for her. I'm just, I'm just I am it. too. I am too. And you want to know another piece of it. And this could be an age wise, but you're, you know, you're in New York and I don't know how long you've been in New York, but certainly, you know, way back in the day when Lindsay Lohan was huge, uh-huh. the other huge part of her narrative and her story were her parents. Okay? Oh yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And the complete circus of her parents and what they were going through. Okay. And if you remember Michael Lohan with the wife and the Cape major and that they made as much news as Lindsay did. So part of the reason why I think that there is a path for her redemption is because enough people remember her parents and just like Britney Spears, they're looking at her in a different way that Mm -hmm. Lindsay did not fall because of Lindsay alone. She had the burden of those parents. And now that she's that those parents are not a part of her narrative, there is such a road to redemption for her that is so well-deserved. So that's another reason why I think she's going to get back into people's hearts and why people are going to give her this second chance. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of this is also timing just that like 2000s nostalgia is such a big thing but you're right about the parents because I did um, a whole Patreon series about her Oprah docuseries that she did about 10 years ago trying to get Mm -hmm. her life back and it flopped majorly it is um, extremely fascinating if you haven't seen it you can find clips on YouTube but uh, she her parents were heavily involved and it was just dark there was just such Mm -hmm. a darkness to it and it felt very um, as part of the series, I was trying to like trace what was happening with like, especially Dina during this time. And she was not doing well <laughs> at all. Um, a lot of like drunken trips to Applebee's, you know, things like that. Um, yes. Messy, messy stuff. So yeah, I think this, this, uh, the separation from Dina and Michael is, uh, nothing, nothing but a miracle. <laughs> yeah. And I, I do think that it will pave the way for it. Now, can I just ask you out of a, just an opinion, yeah. um, watching the trailers, like, do you, how different is her face? And do you think because um, she doesn't look like the Lindsay, like mean girls, Lindsay? Yeah. Is it just me? Like, do we think there's more, um, a lot of work there? There's work, there's work. And I think, I mean, obviously age, I do think she's looking better than she has in years. So mm-hmm. I don't know if like, she's getting the right work now. Things are happening. And I, she I'm looks healthier. She yes. definitely looks healthier, but she doesn't have the same, um, sculpt in her face. Yes. Yeah. Differently. It's like, we all want to see the, the old, the Katie Heron, right? Like we want to see right. her in this, in this movie, but I don't know. I'm all in for her. I want it to be six. I want her come back to be a successful one. I agree. Do you, would you put her in like a, maybe like a, a streaming service, like a Hulu show? Like, could she be like Selena Gomez in an Only Murders in the Building or something like that? Or would you put her back in the movies? What do you think is her best bet? Oh, that is such a great question. So Selena, so, I mean, the Only Murders, I mean, talk about just a little magic in a bottle thing. I think that's hard to recreate. You know, Steve mm-hmm. Martin and Martin Short are so iconic that it all just worked in a very special way. So that's a, that's not really a formula. But I right. think where you can always go back to is 
why do we love this person in the first place? What made us all love this person? And for Lindsay, it was always that fish out of water, you know, like she was always, you know, in, she always found herself in these situations where she needed, you know, guts and grit, you know, to find her way through it, you know, whether it was Mm -hmm. parent trap or mean, mean girls, she was always navigating some type of conflict. Okay. Right. That is her life. I almost think without her parents, she could do some type of documentary. Certainly. Um, Mm. I think the, the world would be open to that. Um, some type of interview. (laughs) Um, but if she were to get back into this formula, I would like to see her or what I do think would work like, uh, Selena Gomez, but some type of streaming short seasoned series. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think they utilize her. Yeah. I think that'll be great. Um, yeah, because I mean, don't you feel like maybe these streaming services, the television is almost more prestige than the movies these days? Oh, if you get into some streaming programming that maybe just has like an eight episode arc um, or where she count, where she's playing a different archetype altogether, like the anti Lindsay Lohan, Lindsay mm-hmm. Lohan, um, if she can just find some type of just really great piece of work and where people are surprised, like, wow, look at the acting chops because you go back to parent trap. She was a phenomenal actress. Mm -hmm. She really was. So if she could find a role that either, you know, plays into again, that character, you know, that gritty gusty character, gutsy character, or someone that is completely counter to who she is and surprise us all, um, then I think that would be great. It would be really nice if someone gave her the chance and why she wasn't certainly were the, you know, the, uh, the alleged, you know, drug abuse and just struggles there. Um, But maybe if she's clean now and she's responsible and she's reliable. Wow. There's, there's a great actress that's ready to come for a comeback. I agree. I would love to see her in something like, the dropout or like there was that those crop of like kind of straight from the headlines thing. Yes. I, I would like to see her in something like that. I think it would oh, be really good. I totally agree with you. I would love something like that for her too. <sighs> Glad we're in agreement. Two, two and oh, let's see if we can knock this out of the park <laughs> yeah. uh, with our next two. So PR relationships have been a big thing. I mean, always, but especially lately. Um, Starting with the rumors that Pete Davidson, boyfriend of Hollywood, and M. Rada, I will not even attempt to pronounce her last name. You guys know who she is. Emily Ratajkowski. That might be it, actually. Um, There you go. You got it. They're dating, allegedly. So um, apparently the sources have been saying that they've been talking for a couple of months now. you know, I don't know. I saw this video of them in New York. They're ducking into some building and they hug and you can see them. It's very obvious. And to me, I just rolled my eyes and was like, what are we doing here? What are we doing? Um, What are like the things that you would tell people to look for in like a just joke of a PR relationship? Just obvious. Oh, well, I think we have our case study in that video. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you, you don't need to be a deep investigative journalist to point out why that video is so bad. It is so bad. Now, Pete Davidson 
for some reason, maybe it's, you know, counterculture because he's such the bad boy and he's off of SNL now and he's, you know, the troubled kid and he's just apparently out for hire now to be in these PR relationships. Her standing outside the door and posing was so yes. incredibly awkward. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I really. And so we're at a whole new level, I believe, of PR publicity relationships. And I think that is exhibit A for not for not how to go about one. We know that they haven't been talking for months because I think her relationship only ended a, a, a few months ago, maybe two right. months ago, her marriage, right? So right. What, what? So this is what I think, and this is something that I do in PR all the time, is yes, people hire handlers and yes, people kind of drum up their publicity and, and they, you know, they, they get uh, the, the paparazzi to film them and then they kind of just leak all this information. But I never discount what is happening in their real life, okay? Mm -hmm. because, because so much of it is personal. So if, if you want to think about what Emrata is thinking about, like, is her priority right now, the public? No, maybe she wants to still get back at her ex, you know, who right. she cheated on her. So how are you going to get back at an ex? Oh, I know I'm, I'm going to be seen with someone who's allegedly your friend. It just to right. get you. So we can't, we, we can't say that's for sure, but I never discount it. Exactly. Exactly. And so I guess, People, somebody, I put a comment in, in the notes where somebody wrote, um, it's obviously just another publicity stunt. He's kind of ugly, so it doesn't really make sense. Therefore, people pay more attention. Um, how do you feel about that? <laughs> well, he's, he's a character, right? Like, I mean, yeah. even going back to when he first appeared on SNL, and I remember reading about him, you know, in the New York tabs, um, he, you know, that his, you know, his, his father died in nine 11 and he was mm -hmm. just the scruffy comedian really struggled with, um, you know, you know, mental problems that he's very open about, mm -hmm. um, at lands on SNL. And I remember even when he started on SNL, he was a head scratcher and yeah. it's like, where do we put this guy? And it seemed like at the time they thought, okay, well, let's just dig down into a new generation. Okay. So mm -hmm. he, this is going to be our guy. So I truly believe that no one has really understood what to do with Pete Davidson. So now he's gone from, from SNL and because he is so counter. And again, there is the Kardashian effect. I mean, the fact that Kim deemed him PR relationship worthy, other people, right. you know, are going to follow suit with the guy, but he, it is a head scratcher. Certainly. Do you think, what were your just general thoughts about Kim and Pete? Do you think that it started PR and like, maybe it became real or just PR the whole way? Um, I, oh, I 100% think it was PR the whole way, but I do think that they were friends. I think the Kanye piece rattled, you know, Pete Davidson. Cause on yeah. one hand, like, I think he admired him. Like he was in awe of Kanye yeah, and then to have that breakup happen and then him to connect with Kim all of a sudden he's like, oh, I'm with an extension of Kanye. And just being in that orbit is what I think drew Pete Davidson to it. And I think, I mean, we don't know, right? But I would assume that the two of them were probably close friends. You know, right. she probably talked a lot about Kanye. He was listening. And that's what that relation seemed like to me. It was just two people coming together with a mutual interest in Kanye West. <laughs> that's fascinating um 
let's let's talk to let's talk about our other PR relationship uh, that's just ended. RIP to Harry Styles and Olivia Wilde. Um, they've talked about like after two years they're taking a break or they've broken up, whatever. Um, here's a comment statement in a PR breakup that always just irks me is the variation of like they remain very close friends blah 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 why even bother like why <laughs> does Hollywood think that we us normies think that all of you guys are just like BFFs and you're co-parenting beautifully and it just like didn't work out but you have this immense intense love for each other no why did what's the point of a, a statement like that I think it's, I call these statements, they're just pablum, right? They're mm. just nothing. It's, it's just a, it's some sustenance just to get you through the statement came out, uh, late Friday. So they, you know, it was, tr it was a trash day statement. They didn't right. want anyone to see it. It was falling under, wow, such news, you know, was happening. Um, cause we're just, there's Twitter and then there's Taylor Swift. So that was very strategic, uh, for the release time of yeah. that statement. Um, I think what they needed to do, if I had to guess this, is Olivia Wilde is in a very interesting place from a reputation point of view. She certainly went through her tarnished phase with her movie, definitely. Her mm -hmm. breakup with Jason Sudeikis was messy, and that played out even with the nanny releasing information. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, if I were to guess this, something that I've always felt about Harry Styles is that there's something... Um, he's just one of those boys that was attached, so attached to his mother that I felt like Olivia was like a mother to him. I know that sounds so creepy, but well, guys, it's kind of close. Am I right? I mean, he, he did kind of pop up on the scene dating a much older woman. Um, yes. I think she was like in her thirties. I mean, she's since passed away, but she, she was much older at the time, um, when he first got really famous. So yeah, there's something there. I'm not really like a one direction person, but I've always had my eye on Harry. Just like, I don't know what he's doing and I'm not comfortable with it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, agree. Uh, and so I think, um, yeah, so I think there's like an older woman thing. So I do feel like she was more quasi maternal for him, but I think that statement was there to protect Olivia's reputation because perhaps, you know, Harry Styles or his team, whatever, they realize how much damage she went through having a relationship with him, um, how much it tainted her as a director. And she's trying to get her footing as a female director in Hollywood, which, which isn't, which isn't easy to do. So I feel like Harry left her. I think we all have to assume that that's what happened. Yeah. Um, there's probably been some distance for a while, but did her uh, save by just gently breaking it down. They didn't need any more negative press. So to say we're best Certainly friends, not. we all, we all know they're not friends, <laughs> but it's like, please, it's the unsaid, like, just, can we drop this now? And no one just talk to us about it so we can move on. Let's just move on. Yeah. I, I fully agree. Um, obviously like as much as Olivia wants to make a name for herself as a director, clearly Harry's trying to break into Hollywood as an actor. Doesn't seem to be working, but you know, he keeps doing it. Um, do you think it was probably the best for him to stay out of all of this? The, like the whole mess, like the don't worry, darling, the Jason, the whole thing. Oh my gosh. I mean, he was talk about a guy who was so protected through that entire yeah. 
Oh my gosh. So Olivia Wilde is the one that got trounced um, coming out of, you know, that whole don't worry, darling press. Um, Some of it deservedly. So, I mean, I mean, she did, she, she had a relationship um, during the filming, which if you extend it out of a film, it's still a workplace relationship where she is manage management. And she had, she had a relationship with someone on staff that doesn't work. Okay. People lose jobs over that. So that created a a very volatile environment there. Do we believe that Harry Styles and Florence Pugh had some type of hookup? I think that's reasonable to see based Mm -hmm. on how Florence feels about Olivia right now. So it wasn't a working environment that was conducive to good press. Let's just, let's just put that out there. And then the messy split from Jason Sudeikis. So Olivia Wilde certainly uh, created a big part of her own mess. Um, But then there was so much publicity dumped on her. And it's like Harry just skated through it because so many people loved Harry Styles. Yeah. So many fans. I mean, he has stands and maybe that's part of it. Like I look at it in terms of PR. If you have stands, your Taylor Swift, your Harry Styles, you are going to react a little bit differently than someone who doesn't. Okay. Oh, okay. Olivia Wilde. Yeah. So, um, cause stands. Oh, okay. Johnny Depp, Amber yeah. Heard. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> Harry Styles, uh, Taylor Swift. When you have standum, they have a lot of weight online and yeah. social media. So when Olivia Wilde talks about uh, when she was on Stephen Colbert's and in, in her media interviews, when she said, oh, you know, the internet is always going to bring you down and so on and so forth, which is an excuse I hate when I hear mm-hmm. that. But I think that is a euphemism for these groups that just steamroll over you. So standum is a whole new element to public relations that changes everything. Right. I, I have to imagine because like Nicki Minaj has been going through it. I mean, she's fighting for her life. Every single that she drops um, something messy happens and it just escalates and gets worse and worse. Um, but I always wonder like, why doesn't she get it? And yeah, I mean, it's gotta be, you're protected by this fortress of like, yes, people that like changes your whole perspective. <sighs> Nikki is very frustrating to me because I just feel like she lets her stands. I mean, is she responsible for them? No, but there are also very dangerous things that her stands have done that she has not like been like, Hey guys, this really isn't cool. And that is what I have issue with. Yes. I, I, I agree with you. And when people become so famous and they're, and they're surrounded by so many yes people they don't have clarity on the real world anymore, but not all. And then they, but also they can rely on their stands. Right. Right. But then there's something else that stands have, which is changing the dynamic. Now I have to tell you, so I work, I'm an adjunct professor right now, and Mm -hmm. I am leaning heavier into teaching now because one area that fascinates me and I am spending so much time learning more is this, is this idea of fighting the algorithm when you're in the middle of a PR crisis, because it's not just people anymore. It's, it's also an algorithm that is fed off of negative language um, replies that come at break, breakneck speed, you know, TikTok 
feeds off of that language. So negative, negative, negative. Like if you look at the Johnny Depp, Amber Heard case, I think that's really like the first time when we talk about bots and we talk about algorithm where it changes an outcome of a real, of, of a a reputation. And so that is a part of it as well. It, I mean, what is happening? Like, I really tried to not delve into the Johnny and Amber of it all because it's just like, mm. it was too much because of these people who just don't think critically. Right. <laughs> and they spend their time exhaustively combing through any mention of Johnny or Amber. You could be talking about um, a Johnny cake or Amber somebody else amber riley from from glee and people will still be like well what about johnny like it doesn't have like the way their brains work it's just so unsettling to me like i don't know how we even like get out of something like that because those people are just so worked up like i got a tweet about it yesterday and i was talking about elizabeth holmes so like what we what are we doing here (laughs) oh so who was coming at you about elizabeth holmes um so i i deleted i blocked them so quickly because i was like i can't do this um but i made mention about in my opinion i feel that um you know uh, elizabeth's pregnancies have been very tactical and um um, intentional and um somebody said something about like oh yeah she's like a liar just like amber and it's like how is that even (laughs) yes i know i know exactly what you're talking about and and also because it is rooted in theory like there is a mass communication theory and it's called spiral of silence and Mm. what that spiral and where it came from is uh, a political scientist who was analyzing the holocaust you know and, Mm. and she was german it's the same thing happening right now in social media is people stop talking and engaging about certain areas because it's not worth the blowback. But when that happens, it can change the course of an outcome. Now, I don't want to be quoted as saying this, even though I'm on your podcast saying it, but I think this is the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial. That is an example of that spiral of silence is that people who wanted to talk about just abuse were right. silenced by these Johnny Depp stands and bots, yes. whatever that they felt like they could no, no longer talk about it. Right. Oh, well, I feel like I just got, I had a tremendous weight lifted off of my shoulders. This was such a treat to talk to you. <laughs> oh, you're, oh, you're so nice. But I, cause I love what you talk about and it, you know, it's funny. And I don't know if you're like me, but some people they're like, oh, pop culture. It's so light. It's so frothy. Like who cares? But all of my work, and this is what I tell people. I follow pop culture because pop culture is real life, but it's just more colorful and interesting, but it's mm-hmm. no different than a business crisis. It, it, it isn't. It's the same type of players. So I, I love your podcast. I love what you talk about. And, mm-hmm. and even if you're watching like real housewives, maybe it's not real, real, but there's a lot of real stuff in there as well. So we never want to discount pop culture. So thank you for the work you do. Thank you. Tell everybody where they can find you. Well, certainly I'm having a, I'm having a blast on TikTok. So you can find yeah. me there at Molly B. McPherson, but also I have a, a podcast, Indestructible PR Podcast, where I like to break down um, these pop culture or culture crises. And I kind of turn them into, you know, real life lessons. Like I'm boring your audience about communication <laughs> theory, like in my classroom, but you know, that's where you learn how to predict how things are going to happen. So that's, that's kind of, kind of my bag. 
Bless you. Thank you so much. And you have a lovely day. You too. Thanks. You. Thank you for inviting Bye. me. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Asked for your number at the last minute and you pretended that you couldn't give it to me because you had gloves on. I know. Will you ask me again this time? I, I don't have gloves on. Sure. I will. Okay. Like- it was the best, it was actually the nicest excuse ever. Like I like one. I knew it was like an excuse, but I remember being. It wasn't an excuse. I remember being in the car, being like, "Wow, she, she knows how to like make someone feel really good about themselves." I was like, "I thought that was really sweet." Oh. You're like, "I'm sorry, I can't give you. I never have gloves on." Like, had only I known. Wow, can't believe it myself. We're back with the penultimate. We're almost done, you guys. Uh, episode recap of Kardashians on Hulu. Um, you know, I'm proud of myself for sticking to it. I don't know if anybody's enjoying it. Well, a couple of you guys have reached out and said that you do enjoy it. So I appreciate that. But uh, yeah, we're almost done. We're almost done. So, you know, just we'll be fine. This episode was actually good. First of all, I really love Matt uh gala episodes on the kardashians they tend to be the most interesting ones and they really kicked it up a notch the the production value the uh red carpet coverage that we got like they really pulled out all of the music budget and put it in these high-powered cameras and god bless them it really worked out actually now that i'm thinking about something i want to shout out to uh natalie over there at say bible aka nori's black book uh she is also on tiktok at natalie the hero and she brought up a great point because i you know every episode i'm like what the fuck are we doing here right she had an excellent uh theory really I, I'm, I'm riding the wave with her on this is that she said the difference between this show is that there's no drama like there's no drama between the family there's no real drama like the trysts and stuff is so glazed over and really to add on to what she said and i don't i think she mentioned this everything about tristan is really and i noticed that they said this in the episode is like they put it in the terms of like the media like oh the media backlash with chloe and everything that's been going on with people's reaction to chloe like they never really mentioned tristan um and her issue with him which i've been saying is like why don't they go in on this dude more they just really don't want to have conflict that's clear definitely clear that courtney doesn't want to have conflict which is probably why she's mostly filming with travis 
So, um, very good theory. And also, it's why the magic is gone. <laughs> Truly. Like, uh, okay. Well, I, I was saying I was excited about this episode and then I'm like downer Debbie, but we're, we're coming back up. We're coming back up on the roller coaster. Uh, so the episode begins with, you guys, this was like beyond parody. It's Kim in a makeup chair, Chloe, makeup by Mario, and Chris Appleton, the hair guy, who, by the way, I would just like to say, and I've not said it before, I know that this man is homosexual. I still, I would like this man to break me in half. He's so hot, you guys. He is so hot. Ooh, he's just like a thick hunk of muscle. And I think he's British or Australian. I don't know. He, I barely heard him talk, but I liked it. And he doesn't need to talk because everything else, whew, mm, yes, daddy. And I don't put that lately. I don't, I don't daddy too much over here. That's, that's a well-earned title. Anyway, um, Kim's in the makeup chair, makeup by Mario, Chris Appleton, and Chloe. They're all simultaneously holding hands and crystals. <laughs> and Mario is leading us in a prayer. So if you guys would like to, if you're able to close your eyes, if you want to grab a, a Morganite or an Amethyst or something to really get into it, uh, I'll give you a couple seconds. But, um, okay, so part of the prayer is makeup by Mario saying... I feel like Marilyn and her makeup artists are watching down upon us and have allowed and made for this moment and for this day to be possible. Because if there's anyone in the world that could be able to pull this off, it's Kim. <laughs> and then Kim opens her eyes and looks right at the camera and is like, gives a look that's like, you hear that bitch? <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> This was the most indulgent prayer I've ever heard in my life. Um, Kim prays, Kim's praying for truth and justice to prevail over her trial with Black China. Uh, it was incredible. Um, Kim was able to successfully dye her hair. I know we left off on a very scary cliffhanger from last episode. So I just wanted to let you guys know that we did. She did it. Chris, you did it. Um, I did see a lot of hair pieces in that hair. So I'm not really sure why. You know, and it's also like she just did a slick back low bun. I don't know why we had to put all of our hair through that torture, but that's her your head girl, not mine. Whatever. Um, Ripley, Ripley's believe it or not, have not only given Kim the dress, they've given her like an old her own mini Marilyn museum in her hotel suite. So we've got the sweater. I'm sure if you've seen a bunch of pictures of, of Marilyn, she's wearing this like chunky uh, sweater. She's on the beach. She's got that sweater. It's in a little mannequin and this whole makeup kit, which I actually thought was pretty cool. Uh, it had like matches and like all of her makeup in a box and uh, a lock of her hair, just a bunch of stuff. Pictures of uh, the, uh, the poster from the JFK thing where she sang happy birthday to him. And Kylie is like going around it and Kim's in the makeup chair in another room. Right. So she's screaming. Um, somebody tell Kylie not to touch anything, even though she has the money. That's not an excuse. <laughs> and then she really gets activated and goes into that little museum and is like yelling like you guys, you guys don't touch anything in that room. If you have to cough, leave. If you have to sneeze, go into another room. I'm not kidding you guys. I don't really know what this says about me, but I love Kim the most when she's like a little bit mean. I'll, I'll unpack that later. Um, so then we go glam room to glam room. We get the, every Sixers reaction to going to the Met. Kylie's really excited, but 
you know, she's going as a tribute to Virgil Abloh. So she's like, you know, I don't really feel like I'm going for myself. Uh, Courtney has to remind us that she's not nervous because this moment is just about how she and Travis are going to be having fun and they don't care about anybody else. And like, we're doing our middle fingers at everybody. Like we're so in love. This is our moment. I don't care. (laughs) I don't care. There were some pictures of, um, oh my God, scratch that. Um, Alabama, Travis's daughter had a birthday party (laughs) the other day, y'all. Why was one of her special guests bad baby? (laughs) Girl, come on. This is about the saddest clip I've ever seen of a birthday party. It's literally just hordes of little teenage black boys staring up at uh, Alabama Barker and bad baby kind of dancing and mostly looking at their phones. It was quite the scene. Anyway, um, God, I cannot believe (laughs) I don't really think about how Kourtney Kardashian is Alabama Barker's stepdaughter, but I'm thinking about it now. It really hit me. Anyway, um, so Kendall's really thrilled to announce a new addition to her family. She is like in her glam room hype. It's a horse, you guys. I feel like we didn't unpack the story enough. Jen just kind of put this as an aside. Jen Atkin, the uh, hair lady, the way... O-U-A-I, yeah, her, um, is doing Kendall's hair. And she is talking about how she asked Kendall what she wanted for her birthday. And Kendall said, I just want really good horse sperm. So Kendall's like really excited in a confessional talking about how her horse has Olympian blood and she's got Olympian blood. And oh my God, you guys picked up on that because I thought about it. Yeah, Kendall, okay. Okay, I don't know what Kendall's... I don't know what she wants from us, you know? I'm just not really sure what she wants. And I don't think she knows either. And one of us needs to figure it out because I'm I'm happening enough. The verdict for the Black China trial comes in, thank God, moments before they're about to hit the red carpet. Chris and Corey call from the van. They FaceTime Kim and Chloe and tell them, we won! We're free! And they are like, I truly have never, ever, seen this family more excited um so happy so like i i mean i guess they should be this has been a trial six years in the making and you know they had, they were staring down what 20 million dollars each to to put it black china i don't know it they were really excited like jumping up and down screaming yelling like, not even faking the funk because Kim's doing a sideline uh, interview with the cameras. And you can still hear Chloe being like, thank God. Like, they're so happy. It was strange. I don't know why. It just felt weird to me. I don't know. It doesn't seem like that big of a deal to be that happy. I don't know. It just seemed weird. I don't care. Um. Anyway, uh, Kim says that she wants to sue Black China for their attorney's fees and that she'll represent them. So she's really excited. Can you do that when you're not a lawyer yet, Kim? Can you do that? I'm genuinely asking. Like, can you? I don't know. Um. So then we get back to the Maryland dress. Kim had custom skims made with rhinestones so that it would match the back so you couldn't tell. So there was like uh like like little straps in the back that tied and you know Kim's big big beluga back there um couldn't they couldn't tie it right so she had to get like to fit the gap so you couldn't see you know 
straight cheek and crack. She had to put some custom skims there. Um, everybody's wearing gloves. Kim's screaming at everybody to not touch her and to not touch things and keep the gloves on, but also take the gloves off, but put them back on for the right things. Um, then she talks about her great trick for the Met Gala. The trick, you guys, is a photo shoot. She does a photo shoot before they walk the carpet to be able to control the narrative of how she looks so she can post it on Instagram. <laughs> this is not a trick, Kim. You do this literally all day. <laughs> Surprise, I have a photo shoot. God, can you imagine how many photo shoots I would really love them to like sit down and think, how many photo shoots do I do in a year? Like for my skims campaign, for my Instagram, just for my personal self, uh, other people's Instagrams, like really hours, like days of her life out of the year must be behind a camera. Just like taking Photoshop photos. That's wild. So we have to watch Kim take pictures with this nude backdrop, trying to pose with the dress, but she can't touch it because they don't want to have any oils on it. So if you look, she's taking pictures where it's like hands on the waist, where it looks like she's touching the dress, but it's really like an inch away, (laughs) an inch away from her waist. I really love it. Um, Then they start taking a photo shoot at the hotel suite. So she has to take the dress off after because she can't ride in it in the car so they have the met has set up a temporary uh dressing room for her right outside of the building so that she can put the dress on so she has to just like lounge around on some skims robe uh in the meantime finally we see pete finally we see pete um and they have this really cute moment which i actually thought was genuinely cute because pete asks her oh do you remember what happened last year? I tried to get your number at last year's Met Gala and you told me that you couldn't because you were wearing gloves. Remember, she was wearing that like head to toe black moment where you couldn't even see her face. Um, So she was like, oh, I really like genuinely just couldn't give you my dress. Like I wasn't really trying to turn you down. Um, He's like, no, I actually got in the car that night and I thought she, you were actually being really nice and I could tell that you like didn't want to give me your number, but you were being super nice about it. And I felt like, oh man, she really like made the effort to make me feel good about it. And then she says, oh, well, why don't you ask me for my number this time? I'm not going to be wearing gloves. (laughs) I don't know why I thought that was cute. I'm on my period. So forgive me. Kylie Kylie and Chloe walk out together so that they could give their like double paparazzi moment outside of the hotel and kendall walks by herself but by the time she gets to the sprinter she's wearing like just a top and a skirt but the skirt is so big she's genuinely huffing and puffing miss olympian blood um she said like in the sprinter like the walk from the door to the sprinter was too much for her and then she starts to get a panic attack and then she tells everybody she has to pee so kendall who cannot sit down because the skirt is so fucking big is literally standing in the middle of the sprinter there's a circle of people around her camera people production uh glam jen atkin the horse sperm probably i don't know they're all just like having to be party to kendall pissing in a nice bucket in the middle and just right in the middle of that sprinter um she makes everybody turn the music on so they can't hear her jen is literally at her hair curling her hair with a like a dyson magic stick i don't know what those things are but um while she's peeing curling her hair while she's peeing um they finally get the uh, the pee into an ice into a, a coffee cup Ooh, somebody said they were gonna sell it which 
listen, she told you. <laughs> At least you were honest. Um, gosh, Kendall says she got pee on her feet. Ugh. But then in a confessional, she says that peeing was actually the best decision she ever made because she doesn't know what she would have done when she got to the Met Gala. The building with a lot of bathrooms. I don't know what she would have done, but okay. So in the sprinter, Kim and Pete are talking about how they had just gone to the White House and that was their first red carpet appearance as a couple. So Kim goes, <laughs> you know, I really, um, it was important to me that I was a brunette for our first time on the red carpet because she doesn't give a reason why. But <laughs> Pete says, yeah, well, I wanted us to both get slimed at the Nickelodeon Choice Awards, but... You know, to each his own, I guess. <laughs> Corey keeps talking, uh, Kendall rather, keeps talking about, uh, sorry, not Cody. Chloe keeps talking about her anxiety to Kylie. And then Kylie says in a confessional that she is on Operation Get Chloe's Confidence Back because over the years, the media has been really rough on her. And I swear to God, Kylie, if media is not the nickname for Tristan, like, I don't want to hear it. I really, really don't. Kim starts frantically texting everybody on one of their teams to get Chloe to not wear the glasses on the red carpet of the Met Gala because she knows that if she wears that glasses, it's like a like an emotional support sunglasses that she if Chloe goes on the red carpet that she's not confident. So she's like begging people to steal them. Courtney and Travis keep talking about how great it is to be with each other and have fun, whatever. And then they start tonguing each other. And like, I mean, literally, you know how they like lick each other's tongues on the red carpet. And Courtney tells us secrets <laughs> behind the secrets uh, that she and Travis do that because she doesn't want to fix her makeup. She doesn't want to mess up her lipstick, but she still wants to kiss him. So they just lick each other. <laughs> These people. These people. Courtney starts talking in a confessional about how great these sort of events are because um, in her family, obviously, she's not the only famous one. It's all of them. And so they can all be together and have this great moment with each other. And it's like makes it that much more special. But Courtney wasn't fucking with them. She was not. <laughs> she, she was like baby saw them in the beginning. Did her own glam. I don't even know if they're at the same hotel. I think you guys met on the red carpet and like barely spoke to each other there. I don't think Courtney is really fucking with this family anymore. I really don't. Kim does this great speech about how it was her mission to pull off dressing like Marilyn. And she did it. That's all she wanted to do. She did it, guys. She did it. She also talks about how she's very proud of harassing Chloe and she's not wearing those glasses on the red carpet. So mission accomplished two for O two and O for you, Kim two and O uh, the episode ends with Kim getting a bunch of Joe's pizza, which solid choice for New York pizza, I will say, and a build your own donut bar because she's not had a carb or sugar or refined sugar in a month in order to get into that dress. So these people are, they love to sit on the floor. Why are they always sitting on the floor? <laughs> I don't know why that is. It's always so interesting to me. Like they're always sitting on the floor in their closet or just on the floor. Like how many, how many couches, how many couches, but yeah, that was about it. Oh, Kim, Kim found herself another uh, photo shoot opportunity because they gave her another one of Marilyn's dresses that she wore when she won the golden globe. Turns out their florist, the guy who's always bringing those chunks of flowers over to the house, Jeff Latham, uh, actually owned 
Maryland's Golden Globe. So she got to use that for the photo shoot. So actually, really, that was a 3-0 and for you, Kim, tonight. You won. You won. You did it, girl. Anyway, let's move on to Winter House. There's the girl. I'm so mother sick of this bitch. And Jessica's doing something? She's running around talking to everyone, saying that I'm a bitch, I'm a bitch. I'm the nicest person to every single girl. What do you think happened? I mean, she's like mad that I don't compliment her enough. No, I don't her. I don't need to compliment her. Can you tell me what I've done? I personally feel like I don't like you. I mean, sometimes, but do you feel like ever, like you kind of isolate yourself with the guys? Yes, I do. And like, that's been my biggest insecurity. Like I've always been like that. Like it hasn't always been easy for me to make girlfriends. That's why I do date a lot and have a lot of like boyfriends because I get attention. Like I struggle with that and that's not something I'm proud of. I don't feel like I've asked honestly any of you a lot of questions or like tried to get to know you guys. It goes both ways a little bit. Girl, this is just out of the blue. I get in my own head like thinking you guys don't like me so then I don't want to put in an effort because then I feel like I'm gonna get like rejected. Jess just seems to like say one thing to one person but like act another way to their face. It's just like, I wanna know what happened in her mind that got her there. All right, you guys, let's wrap things up real quick with Winter House, episode six. We must be almost done. No episode this week, obviously, because of Thanksgiving, but you know what? The silver lining is that we could um, clearly be feasting off of Jessica's insecurities for at least a month. That, that surely would sustain us. Um, I'm over her. I, re- I really am. And so is Paige. And how do we know that Paige is mad? She got out of bed. She took her ass out of bed to escape this woman. She's livid. So Paige stomps off to the kitchen to vent to the rest of the house about how she's sick of being called a mean girl. She's not going to be dealing with this with Jessica. And she doesn't need to compliment Jessica. Because you know what? I'm not fucking her. What? <laughs> I'm with you, girl. <laughs> Meanwhile, Sierra and Amanda are trying to get what Lindsay or Jessica is trying to say to them. So Sierra asks... If, sorry, Jessica, I didn't mean to compare you to Lindsay. Apparently that's very offensive. But uh, Sierra asked Jessica if she thinks that, did you really try to make an effort with us? Or maybe did you isolate yourself and just run to the guys every time? And Jessica's like, I did. I did do that. Because, you know, I'm always having a hard time making girlfriends. And so I just date a lot and I hang around with guys because they can give me attention. And then she admits that she really hadn't tried to even ask questions or get to know any of the girls and how she just gets in her head and she doesn't really want to make an effort so she doesn't get rejected. And the ladies are just staring at her like, okay. (laughs) Amanda says in a confessional that she wants to know how Jessica got from point A to point B. How did we get here? What's going on in her mind? Jessica leaves. She immediately goes and makes a beeline for Corey to tell him, oh, Paige yelled in my face. It was really uncomfortable. See, and this is why you're not a girl's girl. Because you just, you couldn't even, like, let that be a resolution. You just admitted that you've put it, put no effort into this relationship that you're um, telling everybody um, these people are bullying you over. And as soon as you admit that, you're just like, oh, they were yelling at me? Like, well, what's the point then? You think that maybe she yelled at you because uh, you went around talking about how mean she was. And then when she had to come to you about it, you came at her with some bullshit (laughs) that didn't even make sense. You think that's maybe why you got yelled at, Jessica? Then Kyle introduces the fact that Carl and Lindsay are going to be coming up to stay for a couple nights, cook the house dinner, have a good time. 
He says in a confessional, my two friends are in love and it's looking pretty official. But I was not surprised that they gave it another go, but also it was weird for me and I cried when I found out. <laughs> but it's okay now. Why would you cry? We know Kyle's a crier, but I'm not getting from this sense that he meant like his usual cry. I, it sounds like he was upset. And for what it's worth, apparently I heard through the grapevine that Lindsay... Well, I guess this was an interview, not really a great friend thing, that Lindsay was saying that a lot of the storyline for next season is actually between Kyle and Carl settling business affairs between each other. Um, and that Carl, I guess, I don't know, was feeling some type of way. So um, that's interesting. That is interesting. Carl's probably in a really shitty position now that I think about it, because what job is going to give him the freedom that, that Loverboy has? Because their owners are... Uh, on the, in the same house with them filming, but also like how, how is it sustainable that he would be working for Kyle? You know, like not even just him being sober, like their dynamic. I just don't see how that's sustainable over time because Kyle's going to like really explode into a boss. And then what does that leave? I don't know. I just think that creates a weird dynamic between them. Like unless Carl has some like really sick stock or something like that, some sort of investment in the company, outside of his job like it just doesn't really make sense to me but you know what <clears throat> that's that's for them to figure out not me but then kyle and amanda start talking to austin about how Lindsay's coming and how he's feeling about that and he does this typical muppet like uh well you know we have uh stuff to talk about i guess but then austin says in a confessional that his relationship with Lindsay has been fractured and they haven't spoken since kyle and amanda's wedding so then for some reason, Kyle decides to go to Paige's room. So it's Paige, Sierra, and Amanda and tell them, oh, this is going to cause a lot of unnecessary stress. Like he just sits in the chair and just tells them that. And they're like, what? <laughs> What's going on? He's like, well, um, I was leaving Amanda and Kyle's wedding and Lindsay came with me and then we came to the room and I asked if she wanted to watch a movie and I fell asleep and then I woke up with her hand on my cock. Ugh. I never... Never a day in my life do I have to hear Austin say the C word. Cock. I, I would never. Yeah. Like they, they bleeped it out. But even seeing that mouth of his form the word cock, it was enough. It was enough for me. But anyway, um, why out of all these people in the house, would you tell Paige and Sierra and Amanda what sense does that make? You told the girl that doesn't fuck with you, the girl that doesn't fuck with you because you fucked over her friend. <laughs> what? It just doesn't make any sense. Like, neither of these people, you guys aren't, you're not friends with the, any of them. <laughs> For very good reason. Mostly Sierra related. But why would he tell them that? This is why that man is sick. Because he knew that they don't really like Lindsay that much. So he's like, oh, I'll just talk to them because they're going to really take the bait and they'll probably do my dirty work for me because maybe Sierra will flip out because I made her jealous again. Or like maybe Paige will say something because she just doesn't really like Lindsay or, you know, maybe Amanda will uh, have some sort of attachment to the story and tell Kyle. Maybe Kyle will tell Carl. Like he's clearly doing some strategery here and I see it. I see right, right through it. Amanda's confused because... We all saw that there was very much interest between Carl and Lindsay. They had a whole conversation about like, hey, I think we need to maybe take this to the next level, make things official. And that was 
her wedding night. So how did you then end up in Austin's bed? You know? So Austin then talks about how this is really a pattern of behavior for Lindsay, which I felt like people really hadn't been talking about. I don't really know how to go about talking about this, but it was interesting that he brought this up. So he said that basically Lindsay does a move where she'll get in your bed or get very close to you and then just grab the, grab the goose. Right. And that he even asked Jason if that's what she did. And he was like, yeah. And he was like, Oh, that tracks. Why would you ask Jason that? That's weird. But um, yeah, he said that, uh, Lindsay did this, I guess, at the winter house before she, he broke up with her or whatever, uh, put her ass on ice and she went to Jason. She did it, I guess, in the summer house. She did it at this wedding or after the wedding. So, okay. Interesting. So then we would see a flashback of it, actually. I forgot about that. A flashback of her uh, grabbing him in the winter house. Uh, Then he says that... The night, the the next morning, she basically just woke up and left. And but before she left, she's like, made him swear that he wouldn't say anything. So how'd that go? And we know Craig knows. (laughs) We know Craig knows. Oh, by the way, I saw a clip from Watch What Happens Live because Craig was on after the episode, and Andy asked him how he's been reacting to Paige's talking heads about him on the show, and he basically was like, "Listen." She has a point. Like, I, like I'm not going to be mad at her. Nothing she said has been, like, totally out of line. Um, and then he said that he has really taken a look at his relationship with hard alcohol. And he's now switched to Delta 8 gummies. And that's been uh, really good for him. And honestly, he seemed less sloppy. Like, we can notice the sloppy Craig from a mile away. And he did seem better. Um, you know, sometimes people have to take a journey to sobriety. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com. You know, you just got to let him take it. And that's all I'm going to say about that. I also just really think that Craig knows that he's not going to do better than Paige. Does that necessarily equate to him being in love with her? I don't know, but I think he knows that he's not going to do better than her. And so also she's being really generous with him. And therefore, like, he's really got to toe the line and just like walk this path to get where he's going because he's got too much to lose. Again, I'm not sure if that's love, but it's something. And do we want to talk about Shep for a second? I don't want to talk about Shep. 
but I'm going to. He tweeted something like, there was a picture of Harry Styles and Pete Davidson. Oh, it was a joke about how like, oh, Pete Davidson and Harry Styles are going to date now. But the point was that Shep quote tweeted it and was like, oh, maybe I'm just old or something. But like, I don't, basically it was like, I don't understand how girls, chicks are attracted to dudes like him and like them. And if they weren't famous, you know, you guys know what I mean? It's like Shep, (laughs) Shepard. Uh, Shepard Rose, do we want to put our hats in this ring here? Like, maybe, I don't think this is a conversation that you need to be having. The man looks like a piece of spam that's been on the block for a hot summer's day. 18 hours. And you want to talk about Harry fucking stuff? Please. If Harry stuff, like, I'm not even a Harry Styles fan by a long shot. You just heard me talk about him, barely. Um, <clears throat> But if I'm looking <laughs> at Shep. And just like normal dude on the street who is Harry Styles, but not Harry Styles. Uh, I'm going with that dude in a heartbeat. Have you seen Shep's teeth recently? Like, what is he talking about? The audacity. The audacity of this man. Like, hmm, would I pick the guy who's like probably high and listening to Kid Cudi songs in the corner? Or this uh, 45-year-old idiot who's screaming and taking Jaeger bomb shots? And and putting his horse breath all over people. Talk about Yates, probably. <laughs> Gee, I wonder. Anyway, back to Winterhouse. Sierra's reaction to this whole Austin admission in a confessional says, uh, gosh, thanks, Austin. Uh, you really just set loose a grenade here. And at some point, the whole house is going to catch on fire because of it. And then she goes, can you imagine him wanting to bring his girlfriend into this? I just want to say that. <laughs> I'm with you, girl. The next morning, Paige says to Craig that she actually feels bad about what happened with Jessica. And Craig jokingly is like, yeah, I really think you need to be more um, uh, conscious about the things that you say because I'm an extension of you now. (laughs) Which, by the way, is what she said to him um, when he was uh, throwing glass on the floor. And calling Amanda a bitch. So Paige says that she was really aggressive. But on the other hand, she's really gone out of her way to have a double date with Jessica. To give her access to their shower anytime. She seems to use this as an extreme point of her kindness. And I get it. I really wouldn't want to share my bathroom with anybody either. Um, And then she's like, you know, I just... I don't want to have people feel left out. But I also don't like that Jessica has been walking around talking to multiple people and I just wish she had come to me directly. So meanwhile, Jessica is playing pick me of the fucking century in the kitchen with all the guys flirting with Corey and telling Jason and Luke about how it's not nice to be yelled at. And then Paige tells Craig, she's going to try to talk to Jessica before their figure skating competition. What are we doing here? And then Craig reveals that he took a figure skating class in college once. And for his final uh, performance, he wore purple pants and a butterfly wings and no shirt, which would have been interesting. So then Jason does a FaceTime with his brother. And when his brother Jared answers, Jason's like, oh, bro, how are you doing? He's like, oh, you know, every day is a holiday and every meal is a feast. You know how it is. I don't know how it is. (laughs) Straight men need to be stopped. Okay, between Seth Marks repeatedly saying, let's put some South in your mouth when he was referring to just barbecue and every hot, every day is a hot that I just can't. I can't with um, rise and grind social media. Like I know 
that Jason's brother takes lots of pictures in front of his Acura and it's heavily filtered and there's like, here's what I say, like watch on the steering wheel personality. It's like, okay, we get it. We see it. We see it. I can't, I can't, that type of man just really gives me the ick. This is what Entourage did. These are the lasting impacts of that show. Jason talks to Jared about how Carl and Lindsay are coming and he's cool with them, but there's also a lot of unresolved issues. And then he says in a confessional that after Lindsay had her miscarriage, they basically went from a hundred to zero, like no communication. He checked in on her, but that was basically it. It occurred to me that Jason, like, does he really have friendships with anybody or relationships with anybody in this house? Like, I know he was in the summer house, but we never saw him. And I know he came a couple times, but like, who is he really friends with? Because why are we seeing him have this conversation with his brother who we've never met over Kyle? I don't know, somebody. This is the first time where somebody admits, Jared, his brother admits that he kind of drops hints that Lindsay um, didn't act actually or didn't particularly uh leave her side of the street clean when it came to this breakup jason tells jared that he thinks it'll be a good thing that Lindsay's coming because he's gonna need to try to have some closure with her before he pursues anything in his life professional romantic anything um what does jason do i think i saw in his chiron that that something about education or therapy? I'd really be curious. I'm not going to look into this. I'm sure it's right on his Instagram. I'm not going to look. I'm not. <laughs> I'm going to keep it 100. I'm not going to look. Um, so then Paige decides to take uh, Jessica aside, right? Say, listen, I'm really sorry for coming at you so hard. I'm usually not the reactive. In fact, I make efforts to not be reactive because I'm dating the most reactive guy on the planet. And then she says, listen, I just wish you would spoke to me one-on-one. Like it just hits different when you're getting information from other people about how somebody else is mad at you. And it's just, you know, I don't, I don't love that. So then Jessica says that really a lot of it was probably just her and her own insecurities because she says growing up, a lot of her friends came to her and said that they didn't want to be friends anymore, which Jessica, you might want to look at girl. Like, a lot of them? How many? How many people sat you down and said that they don't want to be friends with you anymore? Like, Jessica, girl, that's not normal. Jessica seems to have a real fixation on outward appearance. And uh, that is concerning for, I'm not sure how old she is, but whatever age she is. I mean, over 25, I think that's concerning. Paige says in a confessional that regardless of who's right or wrong, she's the one who yelled. So she's going to be the one who apologizes. So then Carl and Lindsay show up and I swear they called each other babe or baby four times between opening the door and getting to the trunk. It was excessive. You guys know that like, I'm just going to issue the disclaimer now. I'm on the uh, more negative side of neutral in terms of my opinions on uh, the relationship going on between Carl and Lindsay. Uh, I just like, eh, it just doesn't do it for me. Sorry. So this like, hey, babe, we've been traveling so much, baby. Baby, can you open my door? Thanks, babe. Love you, babe. Like, we haven't even gotten to the front door yet. Calm down. 
you know who does love them? Luke. Luke loves them individually. Uh, he loves them as a couple. He finds everything about their life and their lifestyle to be inspiring. And I love that. By the way, I need to put on my list. I got to go to Home Goods and try to find Luke's maple syrup. I, I'm going to make it a priority at this point. I really need it. When Lindsay walks in the door, she introduces herself to Jessica and the screen like makes these arrows so we can figure out who is who. And then I noticed that Jessica did not like that because as they're getting ready for the figure skating later, she's uh, getting ready with Sierra and she goes, do you really think that I look like Lindsay? And Sierra's like, well, I mean, I guess there are similarities. This comes up later. So Paige's figure skating competition is going to be teams of two uh, doing some skating stuff together at a local stow ice rink. So uh, Rachel and Jason get paired up together. Rachel says in a confessional, look, I don't really know much about what happened between Jason and Lindsay, but I know it was hard, hard on the heart and the soul. And I don't know, maybe that's why he's approaching relationships differently now, but I also want him to be really vulnerable with me. I want him to know that I'm a safe space and that he can confide in me with anything. She's dating somebody new, by the way. He's pretty hot. He's like an older kind of salt and pepper. Um, he seems like arty kind of guy. He's, he's cute. Good job. It does make me feel sad for Jason, though. Y'all know I keep like calling him an old Navy model. <laughs> I mean that as a personality, not because I... I mean, he might be, but I don't know. He just has like the personality of like, like a golden retriever, just somebody who's very loyal. And it's like, he's there to be pet if you want him to, but like, he's not going to make too many waves. Um, and I think that really like bites him in the ass. And I think, I don't know, something, something's going on there with Jason and Luke. I just have a lot of questions. Although I did see an Instagram story where, uh, I was about to call that baby John C. Riley. Uh, Ashley's Ashley Darby's son, Dean, Dylan. Dylan's the first one. Dean. Dean's the first one. Dean was um, using some of Luke's, his new daddy, Luke's maple syrup. So God bless him. Y'all, we live in a world where there's like a, there's a chance in hell that Luke could end up being the stepfather to Ashley Darby's kids. It's possible. We got to prepare ourselves. Okay, so before they leave for figure skating, somebody makes mention about how Lindsay and Jessica look alike. And Lindsay says something really nice, like, oh, I'm not single anymore. You're like the younger, hotter version of me. Then Jessica says in a confessional, I was surprised when people compared me to Lindsay because Lindsay looks a lot older than me. And I thought maybe they were like saying we looked alike, like she's my aunt or my mom. And then she just stares at whoever's behind the camera and like tries not to laugh. And it's like... Girl, I don't really want to talk about people's looks, but you did. So I think the, the can is open. Um, you know, if I had to pick, you can fill in that blank. I think Lindsay looks great. What, what, I don't think she looks old. She's older than you. I mean, <laughs> that's it. But like, Jessica's acting like she looks like 19. And you don't, girl. You really don't. But the thing is, and maybe the worst part is, I don't even think that, like, Jessica thinks that Lindsay's really unattractive. I think this is just back to her whatever pick-me behavior. Like, no girl can be hotter than her. And so I have to put her down and be like, oh, she looks like my mom. 
to make yourself feel better. And to what end? Like, she doesn't give a fuck. There's no competition between you guys. She has a man. He's wearing very tight jeans right now. And then she gets into the car with Corey and Paige and Craig. And she tells them that she was kind of insulted because she doesn't think that Lindsay's that cute. And then Craig's like, what do you think I kept trying to say? Everybody kept comparing you to her. And I kept being like, well, that's not really the nicest thing. <laughs> he, I think, said something about that on Watch What Happens Live. Hopefully he's embarrassed by that. He he really should be. Um, so then everybody gets to the ice skating ring. And Paige tells Sierra that she unfortunately has to be in a threesome team with both Austin and Luke. Austin says in a confessional, he's actually really glad now that he didn't invite Olivia. Okay. Um, because he should know by now out of anybody that uh, threesomes don't work. So Amanda takes Lindsay aside after they're doing their competition and they talk about their relationship with Carl. And she's like, Oh, so when did, do you think Lindsay that you maybe made things official with Carl? So Lindsay said, Lindsay says October 7th, which is what their wedding was September 25th. So she's saying what a couple weeks after their wedding, then Lindsay or Amanda says in a, no, excuse me. Lindsay says in a confessional that it's almost like their relationship is a fairy tale. It's like the greatest feeling in the world to fall in love with your best friend. She starts to cry and say, I just wish that everybody could feel the love that I have. Like it's really special. Okay, so then Jessica has a conversation with Rachel and Sierra about her relationship with Corey and how they stay up late talking until 4 a.m. every night. She wakes up thinking about him every morning and girl, pump your brakes. They all start talking about how being in the house accelerates the process of your relationship. And so maybe Jessica usually wouldn't give up the juice, as she says, uh, until maybe date three or four. But in this case, it's totally different. The way this is about to blow up in her face, like, she really thinks this man wants to be with her. <laughs> Baby. Also, doesn't he live in, like, South Carol North Carolina? Why do you even want to be with this man? Later, we get more conversation between, actually, Rachel and Jason between about uh, his feelings about the miscarriage. And there was a quick flashback to him talking to the guys, like, Craig and Kyle, maybe, about it. And... Uh, they're like, did you want the kid? And he was like, yeah, I was really thinking like trying to prepare my mind about being daddy Jason. Like I was kind of excited for it. And then he says in a confessional that he didn't feel like this whole situation would affect him as much as he did. It did. Um, I feel for him. Like I really had to think this made me think a lot more about like men in these situations. I don't think about men in general too much. Try not to. But um, in this case, like in terms of a miscarriage, I feel like he was probably owed a conversation. But this also goes back to the fact where I bet Lindsay would have been willing to talk to him about it if he had just brought it up. But I also can see how fucking awkward it would be to be like, I had this whirlwind relationship. She got pregnant. She had a miscarriage. Our relationship effectively ended without any sort of closure in a very uh, dramatic fashion. And the next time I really see her, she's with this other dude and acting like she's the happiest in the world. And like, that's great. But also, uh, hey, <laughs> remember I used to be your boyfriend? Like, where did we go with that? Gotta be very jarring to be talking about how excited you are to be parents to not speaking at all. <laughs> 
within the span of like a week. So then Carl and Lindsay make everybody, once they get back, uh, Paige and Craig won, by the way. Woo! Um, they decide to make dinner for the group. And again, like, I uh, disclaimer warning about my feelings about Carl and Lindsay. I just felt like the spaghetti squash. <laughs> like, we clearly have lost weight. They're clearly on, like, a Barry's Boot Camp fitness journey. And they're, like, you know, eating great keto meals or whatever. But... I just don't like these couples who are just like, oh, we're so mature now that we're together. We've really gotten our lives together. And Carl was talking at one point about how the house, like, he just doesn't like living in a house dirty like this. And it's like, yeah, fair. But it's also the way he said it just felt very like, now that I'm mature, I just can't live this way, you know? And it, I just don't like the couples or I find them annoying when they're like, Oh, just like we're so mature because we are in love with each other. Like everything in their life just came together. Okay. Now I got to eat fucking spaghetti squash because that's what Lindsay makes for you. Cool. (laughs) I actually like spaghetti squash. I'm just being a hater. (laughs) The thing that really cracked me up is that Carl made a charcuterie board and Luke took one chunk of cheese and he (laughs) turns to Craig and Kyle and goes, um, this cheese tastes like the smell of walking past a cow laying in the hay at a county fair. I swear to God. <laughs> uh, he's funny. All the girls are getting ready and they're talking about how awkward it's been in the house with all the weird dynamics like Austin and Lindsay, Austin and Sierra, Craig. And also, again, like people keep making mention of like, we really love Carl, but... We really like, like, I really love, like, Sierra mentions it a couple times, like, I really love Carl, but this is kind of a weird situation because I don't fuck with his girlfriend, and um, Austin's talking about how he doesn't really want this stuff out because he likes Carl, but, you know, Lindsay did what she did. A lot, and this is a very interesting dynamic, and, you know, maybe Amanda wasn't wrong. I am dying for this season of Summer House. Like, I just gotta figure out what's, what's happening here. Carl and Lindsay's re- relationship might be the worst thing that happened to Summer House, but I guess we'll just have to stay tuned. So then we have an issue because the only available bed left is at is in Luke's room, which you know they don't really want to share. So at dinner, they're trying to f- talk one of the people in the single bedrooms into giving up their room for them so that they can hang out. Um, and then Sierra's just sitting there like. <laughs> Ain't gonna be me. She says in a confessional, hey, Lave, this was just Carl. I would give it up in a second. I wouldn't mind, but Lindsay doesn't like me, so why am I gonna extend any grace to her? I'm like, I feel you, girl. <laughs> I feel you. Austin ends up giving it up because he says he feels bad and wants to, like, make it up to Lindsay. So how did we pivot from, I'm exposing her to everybody in the house, and this is so awkward because the last time I saw her, her hand was on my CU, um, cock I, i'm just gonna say cock um but i like how do we get here i didn't see the progression of that i think he's realizing oh there really isn't an overlap like i thought and now i fucked up because i told everybody like it was a big deal and now they're all looking crazy at me and now here's jessica obviously being like hey carl and Lindsay, when did you guys get together and when was amanda's wedding Oh, and what date would you say it was official? Oh, okay. And how long have you guys been dating? Oh, interesting. Cool. 
And now it's so awkward <laughs> that Austin can't even look at anybody to the point where Lindsay's like, Austin, are you okay? You seem real checked out. What's going on? He's like, oh, uh, no, fine. Uh, great. I'm fine. <laughs> so <laughs> I guess we'll see what happens. I mean, what really, I, I don't know. The preview where Lindsay seems surprised to be confronted by Jason is, <sighs> that's a little interesting to me you know this is another situation is that like I'm not gonna complain about Carl Lindsay I am um I just sometimes there's an air of like oh now that we're together everything in my life like nothing counts anymore and it's like I feel for Jason because it's like oh well I have all these feelings and you seem very happy and that's great but also like what's going on here (laughs) how is it that you've gotten out of this and you seem perfectly fine, but yet I'm dealing, you know, with this. So we'll see. In two weeks, we'll see. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Happy Thanksgiving to those who celebrate. Um, you know, I hope we still have Twitter in a week, I guess. <laughs> I don't know anymore. I don't know anything. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank me for speaking.